welcome to the Story Nook Podcast, the place where your adventures begin. I'm Mylia Ruth King, your host, and today you will join me on an adventure of patience, perseverance, and truth. Trust me, it will be an adventure that you'll never forget, and it will begin right after this. Thank you. Meet the Torchlighters, Heroes of Faith. The Old Testament translations, not one note must be left behind. We can't give up. What if they come after you? Then we shall soon be with our Lord. From distant places. You want to go to India? To Rome. To New York. New York? When do we leave? The people of Romania need God's word. We're headed for a storm, and it's gonna be a big one. Oh Lord, help us. Why are you weeping? He has too much influence. Lies! Lies! That is what you have been told by this empire! Jim Elliot. John Bunyan. Perpetua. Eric Lydell, Corey Ten Boom, Martin Luther, and more. The Torchlighters, Heroes of Faith. We're back, listeners, and you're listening to the Story Nook Podcast, the place where your adventures begin. I'm Ilya Ruth King, your host, and you're joining me in another adventure of the Story Nook. Today we will be reading Chapter 2, Number of the Stars by Lewis Lowry. I hope that you will join us on this amazing adventure. What are we waiting for? Let's start. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Anne-Marie begged Christy as she snuggled beside her sister in a big bed they shared. Tell me a fairy tale. Anne-Marie smiled and wrapped her arms around her little sister in the dark. All Danish children grew up familiar with fairy tales. Hans Christian Andersen, the most famous of the tale tellers, had been a Danish himself. Do you want to know the one about the Little Mermaid? That one had always been Anne-Marie's own favorite, but Christy said no. Tell the one that starts with a king and a queen. They have a beautiful daughter. All right. Once upon a time, there was a king, Anne-Marie began. And a queen, whispered Christy. Don't forget about the queen. And a queen. They lived together in a wonderful place. And was the place named Emilienburg? Christy asked sheepishly, Shh, don't keep on interrupting me or I'll never finish the story. No, it wasn't a millionberg. It was a pretend place. Anne-Marie talked on, making up a story of a king and a queen and their beautiful daughter, Princess Kristen. She sprinkled the table with formal balls, fabulous gold-trimmed gowns, and feasts of pink frosted cupcakes, 
until Christie's deep, even, deep, even breathing told her that her sister was sound asleep. She stopped to wait for a minute, half expecting Christie to mumber. Then what happened? But Christie was still. Anne Marie's thoughts turned to the real king, Christian X, and the real palace, Emilienburg, where he lived in the center of Copenhagen. How the people of Denmark loved King Christian. He was not like the fairy tale kings who seemed to stand on balconies giving orders to subjects, or who sat on the golden thrones demanding to be entertained and looking for suitable husbands for their daughters. King Christian was a will, real human being, a man with a serious, kind face. She had seen him often when she was younger. Each morning he had come through the palace on his horse, Jubilee, and ridden along through the streets of Copenhagen, greeting his people. Sometimes when Anne-Marie was a little girl, her older sister, Lise, had taken her to stand on the sidewalk so that she could wave to King Christian. Sometimes he waved back to the two of them and smiled. Now you are special forever, Lise had told her, once, because you have been greeted by a king. Anne-Marie turned her head on the pillow and stared through the partly open curtains of the window into the dim September night. Thinking of Lise, her solemn, lovely sister always made her sad. So she turned her thoughts again to the king, who was still alive and Lise was not. She remembered a story that Papa had told her shortly after the war began, shortly after Denmark had surrendered surrendered and the soldiers had moved in overnight to take the places on their corner. On one evening, Papa had told her that earlier he was on an errand near his office, standing in the corner waiting to cross the street, when King Christian came out by on his morning ride. One of the German soldiers had turned suddenly and asked a question to a teenage boy nearby. Who is that man who rides past here every morning on his horse? The German shoulder had asked. Papa had said that he had smiled to himself, assuming that the Germans amused that the German soldier did not know. He listened while the little boy answered. He is our king, the boy told the soldier. He is a, the king of Denmark. Where is his bodyguard? The soldier had asked. And do you know what that little boy said, Papa had asked Anne-Marie. She was sitting on his lap. She was little then, only seven years old. She shook her head, waiting to hear the answer. The boy looked right at the soldier, and he said, All of Denmark is his bodyguard. Anne-Marie had shivered. It sounded like a very brave answer. Is that true, Papa? What the boy said? Papa thought for a moment. He always considered questions very carefully before he answered them. Yes, he said, it is true. Any Danish citizen would die for King Christian to protect him. You too, Papa? Yes. And Mama? Mama too. Anne-Marie shivered again. Then I would too, Papa, if I had to. They sat silently for a moment. From across the room, Mama watched them. Anne-Marie and Papa, as she smiled. Mama had always been crocheting that evening three years ago. The lacy edging of a pillowcase that part, part of Lisa's trousseau. 
Her fingers moved rapidly, turning the thin white thread into an intricate, narrow border. Lise was a grown-up girl of 18, then about to be married to Peter Nelson. When Lise and Peter had married, Mama said Anne-Marie and Christy would have a brother for their very first time. Papa, Anne-Marie had said, finally into the silence, Sometimes I wonder why the king isn't able to protect us. Why didn't he fight the Nazis so that they wouldn't come into Denmark with their guns? Papa sighed. We are such a tiny country, he said, and they are such an enormous enemy. Our king is wise. He knows how few soldiers Denmark had. He knows that many, many Danish people would die if we fought. In Norway they fought, Anne-Marie pointed out. Papa nodded. They fought very fiercely in Norway. They had those huge mountains for the Norwegian soldiers to hide in. Even so, Norway was crushed. In her mind, Anne-Marie had pictured Norway as she remembered it from the map at school. Up above Denmark, Norway was pink on the school map. She imagined a pink stripe of Norway crushed by a fist. Are there German soldiers in Normandy, Norway now? The same as here? Yes, Papa said. In Holland, too, Mama added from across the room. And Belgium, and France, but not in Sweden, Anne-Marie announced, proud that she knew so much about the world. Sweden was blue on the map, and she had seen Sweden, even though she had never been there. Standing behind Uncle Ken- Henrik's house north of Copenhagen, she had looked across the water, the part of the North Sea that was called Hattigarath, to the land on the other side. That is Sweden you are seeing, Uncle Henrik told her. You are looking across to another country. That's true, Papa had said. Sweden is still free. And now, three years later, it was still true. But much else had changed. King Christian was getting old. He had been badly injured last year in a fall from his horse. Faithful old Jubilee, who had carried him around Copenhagen so many mornings. For days they thought that he would die, and all of Denmark had mourned. But King Christian X, the fifth, was still alive. It was Lise who was not. It was her tall, beautiful sister who had died in an accident two weeks before her wedding blue carved trunk in the corner of this bedroom, Anne-Marie could see its shape even in the dark were folded Lisa's pillowcases with their crocheted edges, her wedding dress with its hand-embroidered neckline unworn, the yellow dress that she had worn and danced in with its full skirt flying at a party celebrating her engagement to Peter. Mama and Papa never spoke of Lise. They never opened the trunk, but Anne-Marie did. From time to time, when she was alone in the apartment, alone. She touched Lisa's things gently, remembering her quiet, soft-spoken sister who had looked forward so to marriage and children of her own. Red-headed Peter, her sister's fiancé, had not married anyone in these years since Lisa's death. He had changed a great deal once he had been like a fun-loving older brother to Anne-Marie and Christie, teasing and tickly, always a source of foolishness and pranks. Now he still stopped by the apartment often, and his greetings to the girls were warm and smiling, but he was usually in a hurry, talking so quickly to Mama and Papa about things Anne-Marie didn't understand, 
He no longer sang the nonsense songs that he had once made Anne Marie and Christie shriek with laughter, and he never lingered anymore. Papa had changed too. He seemed much older and very tired, defeated. The whole world had changed. Only the fairy tales remained the same. And they lived happily ever after, Anne Marie recited, whispering into the dark, completing the tale for her sister, who slept beside her, one thumb in her mouth. All right, that's all for that we have for today, folks. Thank you for joining me on another adventure in the story nook as we read Number the Stars by Lewis Lowry. We hope to see you in future episodes. Feel free to add a voice message or send a review. And just remember, you are making this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. This is the Story Nook Institute. Thank you.